Welcome to Archie Digest. It is a Riverdale podcast. It's a podcast about a story about a town. And this week, the story we're talking about is episode five, Heart of Darkness. I'm Chris Hader from ScreenerTV.com. I'm Craig Byrne from KSiteTV.com. I'm Russ Burlingame from ComicBook.com. And gentlemen, we got a lot to talk about. I, I should note, Craig wanted me to point this out, and I'm, I don't remember. This is our first PG episode. No, it is not parental guidance suggested. It is post-Grundy. Which... Woo-hoo. I'm happy about. Ding yes. dong, the witch is gone. For now, I'll back up. Grundy's getting your own spin-off series. Jennifer, Jennifer Carpenter, Jennifer Goodman. What's her name? <laughs> Jennifer and, Morrison. No, what, no. <laughs> what was the character's actual name? Jennifer something. Gibson. Gibson, not Miss Grundy. Miss Grundy is an old dead woman. Well, you know that was actually something I wanted to. Well, not exactly something I wanted to bring up, but. Uh, Earlier this week, it was revealed that Archie Comics and Warner Brothers have done a new TV deal to bring other Archie properties to television. Yeah, buddy. Will that include our Jennifer Gibson spinoff series? I hope not. The last thing I need is more insight into the pedophile. But I'm thinking, I mean... The the worst part is I really like Sarah Habel. Like, she was good in the part. She's an attractive lady. Like, the nothing, like, nothing against her at all. It's just, like, that was such a story that shouldn't have happened. Like, it, it's a story that shouldn't have happened, but it is a story that the show did right. Which I, oh, yeah. I, still, I still maintain they, they, they told that the right way compared to the way it happens on some other uh, teen-centric shows. But, no, I don't, I don't think we'll get the Grundy Jennifer Gibson spinoff. I do think they're 100% setting the tables for... A Josie and the Pussycat spinoff, though. See, I'm thinking they're setting the table for a Sabrina, like, spinoff. Because that would also make a lot more sense than doing Charmed, which they were talking about. If you want to show about yeah. witches, have something tied to another one of your shows, and you have a night of programming. Well, especially with Vampire Diaries and eventually the originals kind of going away. Exactly. Bringing the su- supernatural. But also, Sabrina is a character, I mean, if you do it, like, based on the comics, she has such a unique look to her. With, like, the white hair and everything. Yeah, she looks like Melissa Joan Hart. No, that's her aunt now. No, but either way, uh, I think it would be really cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing. Obviously, I don't think they could bring any of the Dark Circle superheroes to TV because there's so many Berlanti DC shows. Yeah, and I'm still not 100% clear on how the rights work with all those things anyway. Because I feel like all of the Archie superhero stuff has changed hands so many times that I can't imagine Archie is the owner. Owner. I believe Archie. I could be wrong. All except for the Fly, which Joe Simon holds the rights to. Yeah. You know what Archie doesn't own the rights to? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, bro. And there was an Archie Ninja Turtle book. Yes, there was. I had that. Um, here's here's my thing about this TV uh, the the Warner Brothers television deal. Um. Obviously, it, you never want to take anything too too much for granted. But do you guys think that, for all intents and purposes, that deal is a season two renewal for Riverdale? I mean, to it, me, it kind of feels like you're. I mean, I feel like you don't ink that deal and then immediately turn around and cancel the only thing you've done together. 
It, well, exactly. And I, well, I think beyond that, they can look at Riverdale as sort of a launching pad for other things they want to do together. It would be strange to me. They're like, we just signed a big deal with Archie Comics. It show is over, but like we'll figure something out. Like that, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But I, I also feel like that might have been one of the reasons why they had everybody up to cover the finale and that sort of thing on the press side, so they could, you know, Warner Brothers when making the deal with Archie could say, "Look, all these journalists are writing about the show. We're clearly behind it. We're clearly, and we, you know what? We would have been behind it anyway. Yeah, but, no, but like Warner well, Brothers, I, I think totally clearly <laughs> behind it. Yeah, I mean the Warner Brothers deal. Uh, puts a whole different kind of spin on that trip that we took because, I mean, I think we can all kind of collectively agree that after the numbers weren't what everybody thought and then they brought us out there kind of spur of the moment, it almost seemed like, okay, this is our big push to see if we can keep the show alive. Yep. And 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 so, I mean, that's that's a little bit inside baseball-y, but I think that that was – we kind of talked about that a little bit in Vancouver. We didn't really – like, we, we try to be positive on the podcast, so I don't think we really dwelt on that. Mm-hmm. But, but – uh, no, I, I was going to say I also feel by looking at, you know, social media and Twitter and Instagram, there's definitely a fan following for the show, and I can only see it going up. Like, once the show's – I've said this before, once the show's on Netflix, you know, when people yeah. can binge it, mm-hmm. it's – Well, and week by week we're seeing it trend better and better on social media, which is a good thing. There are people watching it, and there are people talking about it, those people might just not be in Nielsen homes. And I've, I, I, I've yelled at many of people about how silly I think the Nielsen ratings are by and large. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they might be doing a disservice to the show, but again, I have no proof of that whatsoever. What's well, also like, did we ever see a no tomorrow podcast? I bet there's sure. at least night. Uh, uh, Chris is going to have to check. <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, so, this episode started with the narration. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Can I hit, one, hit on one thing before we jump into the episode? Uh, today, which is the, the day we're recording this, is actually Tuesday, February 21st. Uh, the Riverdale porn parody was unleashed on the world. It's called <laughs> Beaverdale, an Archie porn parody. It is starring such luminaries as Screaming Jimmy as Pop Taint. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tommy Pistol as, I think, Reggie. It is directed by April O'Neil, not the one you're thinking of from the Ninja Turtle cartoon, but rather the, the, porn, the, the, no, the, the, the <laughs> porn star who took her name from that character. And, like, it's, it's, it's less – like, clearly they're catching in on the Riverdale of it all. It is very, very based on old Archie comics. Like, Jughead has a paper crown. It's, like – Archie's wearing a bow tie when he's wearing anything, which, based on the the safer work trailer they put on YouTube, probably not a lot. But are Kevin and Moose hooking up at Sweetwater? No, but uh, <laughs> Ethel is a stone cold fox who really wants to get at Jughead. Archie ends up in bed with Betty and Veronica when they get mad because he's with he like he's in bed with Betty and Veronica walks in and she's like, but this is my day. It's very, which is weirdly kind of gross, but like, listen, it's Archie and they all work it out together naked in Betty's bedroom. Jennifer Gibson's favorite show. Yeah, buddy. Movie. So Whatever. no Miss Grundy, <laughs> no Miss Grundy in the trailer, surprisingly. Uh, but yeah. So I, I imagine they like had a, 
like an Archie thing from 15 years ago. And then when Riverdale happened, they were like, oh, we could, we could make that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it's, 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 it looks bad. Like it looks really bad, but it looks really, really silly. So if you like those poor quality porn parodies, like there's one coming for you straight out of Riverdale. I'm sorry, Beaverdale, Just which is what it's called. Now. Be sure Maybe if you're that. listening that you're over 18 if you're going to be purchasing such well, no, Don't purchase it, but like I don't care how old you are. The trailer is on YouTube. Okay. And well, here here's my thing. Maybe uh Maybe at the end of this, at the end of the season, after all said and done, we can do like a director's commentary or something. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I never want to see it. I'll do it. I'm joking. <laughs> after Craig commits. After I committed. <laughs> well. Well, so Archie Digest number fourteen is going to be about Archie's weird mysteries, correct? I, I totally am up for doing this. Like maybe not weekly, but for for continuing to do this in the off season. Because I looking think at, like the comics, and TV specials, and shit. I think Archie's Weird Mysteries is on either Netflix or maybe even like the CW's app or something. Can I saw we, it somewhere recently. Can we please do something with? I think it's to Riverdale and back again. Oh, I totally want to. Yeah, like it. Yeah, right? with wrapping Jughead oh, Sugar Sugar. So bad. I also have the. I haven't seen the movie. I actually watched the the Sugar Sugar rap after we talked about it on the podcast, and I was horrified. No, uh, they did a one shot comic book tying into that with a John Byrne cover yeah. of the Archies all grown up. Yeah. That's, yeah. It was kind of awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of want to own that, but it's like twenty bucks is what is the price on like eBay and stuff, and I don't know if I want to own it that bad. It was uh, back when John Byrne actually used inkers, so stuff looked good. Yeah. Will Terry Austin going on? Podcast. Oh. Sorry, no tomorrow. Better luck when you get rebooted eventually. The sun will come up. No tomorrow. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, so All right, I'm going to start with the episode. Let's go into the episode. I'm in okay. Here. So the beginning of the episode was very Dark Shadows-like for me. You know, the mysterious Are house on the me? hill. I'll tell you what it was like for me. It was Afterlife with Archie, bro. Well, that's once Am we I get jumping to... ahead? I'm sorry. You're totally jumping ahead. So we hear Thornhill. this is like the creepiest house. Thornhill is the creepiest house in the entire town. And, you know, we get to see some of Cheryl's environment, which is fairly creepy. Very gothic. And then we actually get to see Zombie Jason, which we've been talking about for oh. a while. So awesome. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Russ, or Chris, or... Go for it, Russ. Uh, like, I mean, like I said, I think that the... I think this was the, the tease of, like, they, they know that people were expecting the Halloween special. Then it got booted to be a mid-season show, and so suddenly the reference to 2016 and the pilot doesn't make sense anymore and all that. Um. And I think this was like the tease for like, oh yeah, we know that you guys are watching for this. We're sorry that it's not here yet. Um, hopefully season two will have a, an afterlife something. Uh, but again, like I said, not just because like I want Trev to get more work, but like in, in general, I think that Jason, like zombie Jason is the way to go for patient zero. And I, and I think that uh, <laughs> like even just that two seconds of seeing it is a nice little wink and a nod. Uh, you know, it'd be like if Archie showed up in a bow tie. Yeah, if that ever happens in the show. Well, see, what I love about showing, I, what I love about them sort of showing a zombie fight, granted, it's a dream, that's fine, but, like, 
using dreamscapes gives them a good like sort of canvas to play with. There's so and mm-hmm. like that. What if that's where we? What if that's where we see the introduction of of like other characters? Like, what if Sabrina's in a dream? Like, there there are so many things they could do in these. Like, since they're introducing the idea that there can be dreamscapes, I say go nuts with it. Cosmo the Merry Martian. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> like, sure, I'll take it. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I love that moment. That moment, I thought, and at that moment and the moment that came directly after where Cheryl is sort of talking to her mom, who's like, why are you in here? I why are you in Jason's yeah. bedroom? And she's like, I'm yeah. trying to write my eulogy. And she's like, well, don't bother. Like, that spoke so heavily of everything that's wrong with Cheryl. But also, it kind of came out in this episode, and this is kind of jumping ahead, too, that Cheryl's parents seem to blame Cheryl for what happened to Jason. Like, oh, yeah, you just took him across the river to his death. Cheryl's parents are the worst. They're like, would you say they're worse than the Coopers? They're creepier than the Coopers. But it might just be because of their scary-ass house. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah, I I feel like... I know we talked about this off the show. I, I sometimes lose track of what I've said on and off the show. I feel like I would less like to be a part of the Cooper family, but I would be less surprised if Penelope like legit had something to do with killing her own son. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you do get a very menacing vibe from her and she, it's she like, Sort of in the same vein as Alice uh, Cooper, she gives off the vibe of like everything has to be the way that I need it to be, or else. I kind of missed her this week when she was at her journalism convention and her female journalist convention. <laughs> She's pro- clearly hanging out with Thea from Arrow and with Josie, who's MIA for the second week in a row. Yeah, that was like her- I, I like I I I love the show and I understand the like the restrictions that sort of a TV a normal TV contract puts on in terms of using where you can use people so I get why Josie wasn't there but two episodes ago Josie was like I love Cheryl that's my girl I'd do anything for her and then she misses her brother's funeral yeah Valerie was there at least there's one pussycat the world needs more Valerie and uh, Ginger and Tina didn't show up either did they and they were mentioned, but they didn't show up. Yeah, I That's don't a- think so. It, it's it's they they like crowd filled with a lot of generic teens. So it was like there's people from the school, but none of the ones who are important. They were just hoping we would just notice Archie in his horrendous uh, jacket. Can we? Yeah. Okay. Seriously, can we talk about the way people dress for this thing for a second? Because I'm not a fashion guy, but I had some serious weird takeaways. First of all, Archie wearing his varsity jacket to the funeral of the former varsity football player. Dick move on every level. Also, that's not how you dress for a funeral, Archie. Archie's kind of dumb, though. <laughs> yeah, he do- he doesn't seem very bright. He's good at guitar. Well, we don't see any of the and other. Then- we don't see any of the other football players. So there's the outside chance that there was like a solidarity thing going on, and they all wore those. Possibly. Um, but it, but it's weird that he would partake, given that he looks exactly like Jason Blossom, which made her like mom all weird. Yeah, which made the mom all weird. But be okay. But beyond that, 
Jughead's homeless, right? Mm-hmm. Jughead doesn't have a home. He's living out of his backpack. He had the nicest suit. It was well-pressed. Like, it looked fantastic. He still wore his hat, which I'm glad, but it was just like, Jughead, you, Jughead, you live on the street, dog. Where'd you get these clothes? He probably got them out of that nice lounge at the high school. Maybe they're just, like, suits, yeah. like, <laughs> for the like, band. There's like, a, there's, like, a tailor hanging out in the back. Yeah. Maybe uh, Smithers let him borrow it. Possibly. I just, like, <laughs> that. as I was watching the episode, I was like, damn, Jughead always looks homeless, but he looks great at the funeral. Good for him. And Betty noticed, too. Of course she did. Everybody notices Jughead. So, I think one of the storylines in this episode did not work too well for me. Which one? And that was when Archie was going to see that Castillo guy. Yeah. Like, I thought that just felt... I liked him working with Valerie, but I did not care. Like, it just... Like, everything grounded itself to a halt. Well, for me, it speaks to... And I don't know about you, Russ, but for me, it speaks to sort of the an overarching thing with the show in that if I have to choose the weakest parts of the show, they're the parts dealing with Archie pursuing his music career. Cause there's so many high stakes things going on that, Oh, will someone teach Archie how to play guitar? It just doesn't seem anywhere on the same level. I also felt like there must've been some scenes either cut or missing. Cause we went to that scene where Archie had written the plays on his arm, but like, we didn't really know why until later in the episode that he was, like, cramming to do the music. It just was – it seemed very sudden to me. Like, okay, I think I missed something. And yeah. I don't know. And I think that – I think you're right. I think there were some bits that got cut. Because I think that this was an episode where they tried to do a lot. Like, I, I feel like that this was a connective tissue issue episode. Like, they're – the, the big kind of picture stuff wasn't really going on in the same way that it was last week or in the way that it does in six that you, that we've seen. <laughs> um, and, and I think that this was like one of those episodes, it's not, not filler per se, but it's like, it, there's a lot of almost procedural elements that you have to do in order to get to the next space. Mm. And they, I think that they really wanted the character development that was happening at Thornhill and so everything else, all this procedural stuff, all this big plotty, plotty stuff that they needed to just do and get out of the way, I think that's what got trimmed. And so things are a little jarring from time to time, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, but that said, the development we did get, which was mostly focused on Cheryl, was incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, and I, I, I will I, say, too. Mm-hmm. Sorry? Well, I was going to say, I will say too, I agree with Craig on the one hand that like the, the Castillo stuff was kind of the weakest element of the episode, but I do kind of like the idea that uh, like we established that Archie isn't like a savant. Like up till now, it's like he had, um, he had Grundy and he had the Pussycats and everybody's kind of been like, yeah, man, good for you. Yeah, you're doing great. Um, and so having somebody kind of punch him in the mouth a little bit and be like, yeah, dude, you are not the greatest. Um, it, it felt very true to me. Except, and I don't know that it was necessary right now. Um, but it, it, I don't know. It, it felt like as much as it was kind of the weakest part of the episode, I can see why they wanted to do it. And also, you know, having a quote-unquote real uh, teacher shoot him down gives him a, a better reason to retreat back to 
Valerie. Fair. Except he does kind of get stuff handed to him, like when they make him a high school sophomore, the possible captain of the football team. Well, I, well, well yeah, I, but I think that's two different conversations. Yeah. Well, but but I think as, as sort of an overall conversation, that's <clears throat> that's kind of the character. Archie Archie is the guy who hasn't really had a tough go of it in life. His his mom's gone. We don't know what's going on with his mom. She's coming back eventually, but like you know, just attention. He, right. He lives with he lives with his dad. In a, <laughs> his dad is a business owner. Has a they have a pretty nice house. They have a really good life. Everything seems to be going pretty well for Archie, and he's surrounded by this group of friends who are all damaged in one way or another. So while they're going through this, this real dark stuff, the simpler things like a teacher like Castillo not being like, oh, you're the greatest ever, that seems like such a major blow to Archie because it is a major blow to Archie. He hasn't dealt like <laughs> Friggin' Betty's sister is locked up in an asylum. Do she, we know that? Well, he, he she's locked up somewhere. Well, <laughs> they kind of they made well, they, that's like, her parents day. they sent her away and institutionalized. Okay. Uh, Betty, so Betty's sister's institutionalized. <laughs> Jughead's homeless. Veronica's dad is in jail, and Archie's like, "Well, I got busted for sleeping with my teacher. Poor me. Like he but... he hasn't had a rough go of it compared to those around him." Did you know Cheryl's brother's dead? Is that right? Has Cheryl told us that lately? You know, Jason once had a life. <laughs> there's a whole... By the way, there is a, um, there's a Twitter feed that I saw yesterday. It's like Cheryl Blossom says or something, and it's basically like, you know, oh, they got in trouble for, you know, taking math or something, and it's like, you know, Jason studied math. Like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Cheryl Blossom comebacks. It's amazing. But, but, yeah. so, Which is great, because even the cast were joking about that when they were doing the live tweet for episode three. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah, I think in the end, that that's just, like, Archie getting these... <clears throat> while, these while these small stumbling blocks for him may seem, like, even to me, like, the least interesting part of the episode, like... To a character like Archie, who's sort of slowly on this decline into every what all of his friends are going through, like that's a huge stumbling block, and it is going to send him backwards towards you know the pussy cats and like his comfort zone. It makes him retreat into a comfort zone. I also liked in this episode that Veronica pretty much called him out for being boring <laughs> when they're on the bleachers. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the good moments of the show. Now, yeah, um, it was just like he, she, she very much like. I'm sure eventually we'll get to a point where Veronica does something that's not likable, um, but for the most part so far, like Veronica's the one who I'm just like I love her every single week. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I like and it, what's it, that's what's weird about this show. I kind of like all of them every single week. I keep waiting for me like. Ugh. <sighs> Jughead, even right. Penelope Blossom. Well, no, the parent, the the, adult, the adults in this in this town are atrocious, except, except for Dylan McKay. And I love that how cool he was with Valerie being in Archie's room. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna leave the door open a crack here. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Fred knows what's up. Well, I'm gonna close this. I, I'm not gonna close it all the way, but I'm gonna close this. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was fun, but it's also it it kind of speaks to the kind of relationship that Archie has with Fred. Also speaks to his dad being like, thank God it's not another teacher. 
Thank <laughs> Christ, it's someone his age. So, um, yeah, he, he expected to come up there and have like Pop Tate's sister visiting. <laughs> oh. oh, where's Mrs. Weatherby? Oh. oh, so Cheryl invited Veronica <laughs> over for a sleepover because Veronica was the only friend who was there for her. It's yeah. true, like, it's true. And her mother was still a nasty, nasty person oh, to her because she's awful, yeah. But I like that, you know, Veronica kind of um, nudged Cheryl to do what she wants anyway, even though Cheryl took it way over the top by showing up in her dress. The river dress. The river dress. Oh, my God, dude. And everybody. The dress stained with the soul of Sweetwater River. And the looks <laughs> on some of the faces when she came in the room, that's like. But that's Cheryl, dude. Like, awesome. if anybody didn't expect that from the most dramatic human being, in that town? Come on. But, uh, yeah, the, for, a, a, the most awkward sleepover of all time, if only because of the meal she shared with that family at the table. Uh, they all came across, like, Cheryl, Lutz, her parents came across as sociopaths. Like, scary, scary people. Which explains Cheryl well, I mean, I think more. That, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I think that, in, especially with Cheryl and Betty, but kind of across the board, one of the things that you see is that, you know, Chris talked about how Archie is, like, the most believably teenage of all of the teenage characters where he just does stupid things and then, you know. Dumb kid. But, like, but the the thing is that, like, all of the parents are basically in this, like, weird arrested development where, like, okay, so the kids all act like teenagers and they're overdramatic and they're whiny and they're, like, petulant and whatever – but, like, most of the parents are exactly the same way. And you sit here and go, okay, well, you're sitting here sniping at each other like whiny little bitches over dinner with company here. But, like, at some point, the 50-year-old is supposed to stop that and take ownership of being a grown-up in that situation. It is a little bit strange that, like, seemingly all the parents have, have held on to their high school grudges. Well, till now. We learned mm-hmm. how Cooper holds on to the family grudge about what the Blossoms did to great-grandpa, if it's even true, to great-grandpa Cooper. We also had more references to maple, which seems to be a, it's like maple syrup and Sweetwater River. That's where they got the name. And maybe it's to do with the sticky maple. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and I don't, (laughs) I'm assuming we, I can say this, or we can say this, when we're on set, uh, I was looking at the license plates of the cars in mm-hmm. Riverdale, and it, it, it said Riverdale, the Maple State, which is wildly confusing because I thought Riverdale <laughs> it was like this is a podcast about a story about like a state that's also about a town. Like it's very confusing. <laughs> evidently, they're in they live in Riverdale, Riverdale. Well, it's like New York, New York. Not really. It's <laughs> much smaller. Much smaller. Maybe, like, Riverdale is, like, Rhode Island. Possibly. But, yeah, it was, uh, these these adults, man, I can't handle them. Like, they really bum me out. Because they're all, again, except for Fred, and to a certain degree... Hermione? uh, Hermione. They're garbage people. Like, they're... 
terrible. And Hermione's doing questionable things, but I don't believe her to be a flat-out bad person. I think Hermione's kind of like Veronica in that she wants to do the right thing, at least. But she's also, but she's stuck between the right thing and loyalty. Right. Mm-hmm. And loyalty isn't always the right thing. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think that, like, that's one of the few relationships in the show where the kid has the luxury of being a kid. Because, like, with Veronica, she can be like, well, I'm going to do the right thing. And there's very little in the way of external pressures working against her doing the right thing because she's a kid and that's what she's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like like you said, like, there are things that Hermione kind of not has to do per se, but certainly feels like she has to do out of obligation to Hiram or out of obligation to Veronica uh, that that take her in a different direction. There was something I noticed on my second time watching that stood out was that Hiram did something to the Blossoms. Do we know what it is or have any speculation on that? No, but I, was it was it four or five when the mayor said – and no, it was four. Uh, last week, if you remember, when Hermione brings the money to Mayor McCoy, Mayor McCoy essentially warned her, like – this deals off if the Blossoms find out that it's me who, who greased the wheels. Right. But in this week's, there's the bit where Penelope goes up to Hermione and says something about what Hiram did to them. Like, mm-hmm. are you here to gloat or something like that? Yeah. Maybe the Blossoms were also bidding for the lot. Oh, and they found the out? I, don't, I honestly don't know. I don't think it's that because, again, I, I, I think... That would be a little too simple. Yeah. Well, and also I think that, you know... Like I said, just an episode ago, we were told, like, they can't find out. I can't imagine they found out off camera and it wasn't made a bigger deal of. Mm-hmm. Like, but again, kind of like what I said last week or the week before, clearly Hiram has had his fingers in a lot of pies in Riverdale even before they moved back. But not Miss Grundy's. No. No. <laughs> oh, Craig. Every week I got to make a bad joke like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, children, the ones who heard about the Beaverdale porn. Yeah, listen. I know <laughs> that this podcast is marked E for explicit on iTunes because I curse a lot. I'm sorry, but <laughs> Rundy's pie jokes, Craig. Well, she makes really good pie. Sure, she does. How, how else do you think she lures all the teenage boys to her house? With being a hot woman. Oh, good point. Problem solved. Anyway. Sorry. So uh, we kind of talked about this already, but when Jughead showed up in his suit and tie and his hat, (laughs) Betty certainly noticed. Are we seeing the sparks of even more? Because we saw a little bit of spark last week, too. Do you think... Listen, all I know is what has been leaked onto the internet. Yeah. I, I feel like... Do do we like? Because we've been avoiding the stuff that we have seen that other people haven't. So I kind right. of feel like we should avoid as much as we can, like the set photos that get leaked on the internet and stuff like that. Yeah, like, but in this case, it's such a big deal. But I mean, listen. Here's here's what we here's here's what I'll say. <laughs> Clearly, she she took a notice in Jughead. They're working closer. They're teenagers. If something happens. Good for them because she deserves better than Archie. That's true. 
most of them deserve better than Archie. I, yes, <laughs> but like, like that, that was that for me would signal more story time for Jughead. That would signal like an interesting sort of slant in their invested, like their weird Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys thing they got going on. Like, it, 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 should something pop up, that would be cool. If it doesn't, they're still on the, on the hunt for a murderer. Besides, I want. Jughead to be more integrated into the friendship because he's very on the outside of things. He's he's the narrator of the story who's kind of on the outside looking in. He's slowly getting worked in. I want him, and he's getting worked in through Betty. I want him to also get buddy buddy with Veronica. That's what I want. Now, is there any way we can talk about some of the things that came out about Polly this week? without spoiling what comes later, aside from the whole thing about her and Jason being engaged, which was news from the creepy aunt. Yeah, that was the grandmother, right? She was a grandmother. Whatever she was, she was creepy. First of all, I don't like when creepy old people appear out of nowhere. Um, I don't know if you guys have played Resident Evil number seven, the new one. That's like a big part of that game. And it freaks me out when it's like you turn around, all of a sudden there's just an old person there staring at you. like, let me tell you a story. Um, yeah, I, I love that they're, well, I mean, clearly as this episode ends with Jughead saying we need to get to Polly. So Polly's coming. And Polly's been cast and Polly's been cast. She's in the description for episode six. Yeah. She's come, she's coming next week and I can't freaking wait. But beyond that, like, I love that they're, they've been adding layers to the character because before in the beginning, when we first learned about it, it was, (laughs) They dated, and then he did something terrible, and it made her freak out and go away. Then yeah. in episode three, we got like the, the the layer of like, well, he's in her, he's in her, the playbook is the book, the play, the book, the scoreboard, whatever it was called. And then we got that she attempted suicide, supposedly. Yeah, and now we get the weird information that seemingly nobody except for the grandmother had that they were also engaged, and you're like. What the hell is going on with these two? I will say though, if we again, if we didn't see the video of Polly and hadn't, you know, known that she was cast, this episode would still be the Betty is Polly theory. When Betty's not oh, Polly, Betty's, I know. But I'm sorry to old tell grandma's you. like, oh Polly. Oh, there, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what yeah, I'm talking about. But Betty, Betty is definitely not Polly. We're gonna meet Polly next week. It's gonna be dope. I bet it's gonna surprise people. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm so fascinated where this is going. Yeah. I think, but, I mean, I, I think we can say, cause it doesn't really spoil anything. Uh, it, it, it's more just a teasy kind of comment. I think we can say that next week when we do meet Polly, one of the biggest things about it is kind of sorting out some of the truth from the fiction in terms of what's been coming out of the Cooper's mouths. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing about that to me isn't so much that there's a little truth and a little fiction. It's that some of the fictions seem so mean spirited that it's going to push a lot of story. Absolutely. Polly is such an interesting addition to the show Mm -hmm. because all we've done is heard everybody else's views about her all season long. And in that way, we're kind of like Betty because Betty wasn't around. Betty was gone and her, her magical teenage internship in LA, which I don't know about you guys, but when I was in high school, there were no internships anywhere. It was at Hello Giggles. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, there was there. It was 
we've been hearing these things like Betty about Polly and what she was like <laughs> leading up to it, and then she was gone. And next week, we're finally going to get to hear the real story from actual Polly, and it really sort of colors how you look at everyone who said anything about Polly all season long. It's also interesting because I feel like the whole Jason and Polly thing is very Romeo and Juliet, especially when they built up the whole thing between their grandfathers. <laughs> yeah, especially if the Montagues and the Capulets were all assholes. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. We just got our parental rating. Forget my Grundy joke. There we go. <laughs> so uh, this is totally like not related to Polly, Jason, or whatever. But we got to see a lot more of Reggie this week, in more ways than one. But um, <laughs> Reggie is a character that is so major in the comic books, but he hasn't been in the show very much. Is it nice to have him around more, being a dude, bro, and fuckwit, whatever they call him, fuckboy, that's what they call him. No, they call Archie a fuckboy. No, but uh, Cole called Reggie a fuckboy oh, the first time okay. we're on set. Um, <laughs> he, yes, I like that they're not going full tilt with all of the characters yet. Yeah. They're leaving room for, if they, if they eventually choose to have Reggie become a bigger part of the show, they can sort of weave that in. You don't have to, like, Archie's been around for 75 years. There's so many characters with so much history. You don't have to do them all now. So I like that we're getting like the little looks, and if, if Reggie becomes a bigger deal down the line, cool. If not, cool. We know Reggie's there. But it's like how Valerie kind of weaved into the story a bit more this week and next. Yeah, but I want Valerie there all the time. Yeah, but you know what I mean is she wasn't yeah. as major a fixture. Yeah. She was there in the background. I think a show that does the weaving in and out very well is The Hundred. I don't know how familiar you are with that show. I'm not. But you have, I saw season one. You have a character like Monty who barely had anything to do in seasons one and two. Is that Paige Turco? No, Monty is... Oh, probably a guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Monty's one of the younger people. But, you know, like... Or, well, so I see the look on your face. I'm thinking like, you don't see the 100 either. Not very much, no. I, I really, I really might, like the Bensons, uh, who are a couple of the writer-producers on the show. Uh, they do, like, comic books and stuff, and they're really, really nice. And so I, I tend to support the hundred, but I, I I don't keep up with it. Okay, then maybe I just used a very bad example. But... I mean, uh, well, listen. there are lots of people listening who probably know better than Chris and I. Okay, yeah, it's true. If Carla Day is listening, she'll know what I'm talking about. Use an example of a show that I actually watch. Go ahead. Uh, Vikings Gotham. probably does it. Oh, Gotham too. Gotham has a gigantor cast, and sometimes episodes just don't have people in them. But also remember Gotham, like Barbara Keene was a complete waste of space for about 17 episodes, and then she went crazy and she became awesome. I mean, waste of space feels mean. But it's kind of true. All she'd do is like, oh, what are you doing, Jim? At the beginning of every episode in her clock tower apartment. Vikings is another show that's a lot like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we could see more Reggie eventually, but, I, I mean, it's just weird because when you hear about the Archie characters, it's usually Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, and Reggie. And here, of course, characters like Cheryl. Well, are... it's like, look at Ethel Muggs. We got, an, we got an episode with Ethel Muggs, and we haven't seen her since, but we know she's coming back. She's back in eight or nine. Yeah, so, yeah, like, there, there are characters they could keep sort of dropping in, where they don't have to be main characters, but, like, you know they're familiar to this world, and they help sort of fill out this world. And also, you can't like, you can't have every Archie character on your cast appearing all the time because that show would cost so much money. And all that cast money goes to Gotham. 
No, all that cash money goes to Luke Perry. <laughs> and we still haven't met Midge. No, we haven't. Um, I to answer your question because I haven't really said much about Reggie. I actually I really liked the like I liked the dynamic between Archie and Reggie in this episode. Like, I I found Reggie really interesting in this episode compared because you know, obviously in the past we saw like he was just a dude bro in the in the pilot. And then he was a bully in episode two, and then he's been basically a ghost. Um, I don't know. He had one of my favorite lines of the show when he called Jughead Donnie Darko. And suicide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Carry on. But uh, my, the thing that I really liked, uh, it wasn't even so much the, the, the little moment of like mutual respect when Archie turned down the captainship, which I think is going to be the moment that a lot of the, like, the people who are super anxious to see more Reggie are going to really like. Um, but the, the thing that, really, uh, that I really liked was when he kind of approached Archie about his hand, it really didn't come off as him being a dick or as him trying to cheat Archie out of anything. Like it really did seem like he's a dude who's a little bit older than Archie. who's a little bit smarter than Archie. And he's like, dude, you are going to hurt yourself. Yeah. I also, on that same note, I liked it when Veronica was helping Archie with his bandage. Yeah. yeah. Cause that was like a bonding moment, but also it kind of showed that she cares about him. Well, there are also moments that like they're human moments. Like, Reggie being that guy, like, it made me think, well, you know what? Maybe Reggie was in this position before. Right. And had someone that helped him out, he's sort of paying it forward. If Archie played with that screwed up hand, it would not only, it could not only ruin his football, it could ruin his music. Like, yeah. everything he wants to be could be dashed. So, thank goodness Reggie was there to give him just a little bit of, like, older kid wisdom. So I, I'm skipping ahead, unless there are certain other elements of the episode you want to discuss. You know, near the end, we find out that um, Hal Cooper is the one who stole the evidence from Sheriff Keller's murder wall. Yes. And what the hell, Hal? What's well, going I, on? I think there's a couple of things there. First of all, we talked, I think, a little bit last week about the idea that, like, there were only so many people who were kind of likely suspects who were unaccounted for at that time. Because with Grundy and Betty and uh, so many other characters being preoccupied with the Grundy storyline and then uh, all the stuff going on at the drive-in where like the serpents were there and Hermione was there and everything. It's like, you really cut down the number of like possibilities for who could have done that. Um, and so it's it's weird because, like, I was surprised that it was Hal Cooper a little bit. But at the same time, it's like, if you actually think about it logically, it's like, yeah, because I kind of know where everybody else was at that time. Yeah, I realized Sheriff Keller definitely was there because we saw his police car. Yeah, we saw the cruiser. And it came up this week where they said, well, Sheriff Keller was there at the drive-in. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that it's Hal Cooper, but then the question is, why did he do it? I yeah. don't because he's the killer. I like if it, yeah like, we talked about that last week that and, and especially because it turned around so quickly, you know it's like I you, you don't give away the ghost that quickly like if it really was he took it because he's the killer. We're not gonna find that out until at least episode ten. And I also want to know what were Hal Cooper and uh, I keep forgetting Cheryl's dad's name, uh, Jonathan Blossom, no, like Chester or Morris or something like that. I, something, those, Clifford. But- Clifford, yes, Clifford, Clifford. The red dog. That's how I remembered it. 
Wow. Yeah. But uh, no, but what were the two of them talking about? Because I don't think they answer that honestly when they were asked about it. So, I mean, were the two of them in on something? I'm, I'm curious if they, because I mean, their, their wives are really very domineering and very, very angry. And well, I'm almost wondering if no, go ahead. Chris, go right ahead. I, I was just gonna. I, I'm almost wondering if those two know more about what's going on with Polly and Jason than their wives do. And it's clear oh. Hal cares about Polly. I mean, he was watching the video. Well, see, and that's mm-hmm. sort of what left me with. I had two possible theories about why Hal would do it. One he's convinced Polly had something to do with it and he's trying to cover up those steps. Two, what if Hal didn't take it? What if Alice Cooper took them and Hal's sort of covering up for her? Cause what, but Alice was at the... Correct. Okay, yeah. well, what if he took them for yeah, Alice? Like, what, what, what if there is What if there is something... Like, I, I, I don't... I don't want to believe that he'd do it for Alice, but like Alice is clearly a cutthroat journalist who has no problem publishing autopsy reports, publishing like, mm. like things that are be, like reporting things that are maybe not factual. Like Fake she news. is a cutthroat journalist who is obsessed with this case, and I understand why because it sort of concerns her kids. But like I wouldn't put it, pa- I wouldn't put it past her to make Hal steal that stuff for her. I would. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly – because, I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, last episode we saw her go and confront Fred, and she basically dragged him along as a prop so that it wasn't just her <laughs> ranting about the teenagers. <laughs> and then when she got to kind of see that through and really stick it to Archie uh, by doing the Grundy thing in the, in the music room, like, he wasn't there. So that that's probably a fair guess that like maybe like he did it, but she had something to do with it. Um, but I do like your idea too of like maybe it's not so that they can publish it. Maybe it's because he's worried about Polly or because he's trying to figure like I mean we don't know what kind of reporter or what kind of publisher whatever it is that he does. He is either. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility he thinks that he could do this better than Sheriff Keller. Absolutely. So now, after all that's happened, Betty finally seems to have come to terms with the fact that her parents are monsters and may be involved, and the Coopers are now on the wall of weird in the Blue Gold office. Betty Betty thinks her mom is a monster. Does she think her dad is a monster? I think she does, because, I mean, it said the Coopers on the thing. Yeah, well, yeah, but, like, I... I... Well, I mean, I guess she did see her dad looking at the video, so she knew he's kind of human. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably, I think probably in Betty's head, she's quietly having the same conversations we're having about Hal Cooper in terms of like, okay, he seems like a good enough guy, but like, is there anything that he wouldn't do (coughs) to like not be crucified by his wife? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of sad. But she is Shelly Johnson. So, like, I I do on I I really uh, I really dug just from like a character beat like just that moment at the end where where they uh, where she puts the like essentially that last bit where she puts the the names up on the board like I really liked that it, like the way that it was done 
and the way that Lily played it. Like, I thought that it was a good performance. I thought that it was good writing. I think it was a really good moment for Betty because it really speaks to the fact that she's serious about this. Well, yeah. Well, like and, and that, you know, cause, I mean, torture for her. Like, she has mm-hmm. to come to the realization, like, maybe my parents are killers. That's a tough thing yeah. for a kid to come to terms with. I'm assuming. I don't know firsthand. I don't think my parents have killed anyone, but I, you know, like that, that's a, that's a rough thing. And, and like you said, it shows how serious she is about it. She has to consider all suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to me to see um, what Jughead thinks if his dad comes into play, because obviously something weird's going on there. Um, yeah. You know, he's homeless instead of hanging out with his dad, um, which speaks to something. We don't really know what's going on with his mom and his sister. Oh, Jelly Bean. And so, yeah. Did you see that photo that Cole tweeted of himself with, like, baby Jughead? No. The little kid who was Jughead in the picture, Cole took a picture with him somewhere. I did see a picture uh, that Sarah Hebel took with the <laughs> Miss Grundy in the picture. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, like, that's adorable. Tale of Two Grundies, man. And I love the fact that she has the dress, which, like, it, when you actually look at the dress, like, on a comics page, that the, the like the design around the neck makes sense because it's, like, shorthand. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the actual dress, looking at that picture, it's like, no human would wear that. Right. Well, I like, it, it also, for me, it looked very apparent that, like, they had cut polka dots out of felt and glued them onto the dress. So yeah. it made it look extra comic. Like, it made it look sort of over-the-top cartoony. It felt like something that could be in, like, to Riverdale and back again. Yeah. Somebody should do a super cut, you know, again, with me. You know, I would said I wanted the Twin Peaks Riverdale opening credits. But I also mm-hmm. would like to see somebody cut an old lady into the Miss Grundy scenes from the pilot. Huh. Why would you do that? Except that fun. would be super creepy when he's on the river's edge. That would be gross. I oh, know. I wasn't. I was just thinking about when she's driving up in the... You know, and lowering her... <laughs> Can you imagine the old lady in those heart glasses? Just like into a trailer for the show? Yeah. No. Maybe that'll I be... Can't. That'll be in the <laughs> Beaverdale sequel. Oh, stop it. So, um, I think we covered everything. Did we talk... I, I don't remember if we were talking about this before the show or during the show, about uh, Trev, uh, Valerie's brother... Did you expect to see more of him after this episode? Because he seemed to be like sort of like a date with Betty, and then, um, hmm. it's hard to say because Betty, like Betty, has been pretty transparent about everything so far, and so when she tells Jughead, like, "Oh, this is not a date," I kind of feel like she believes that. See, I wasn't he, sure what to think, especially because in the comics, Betty and Trev have gone out a couple times. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like, I was talking about this before the show, that I, I had just recently kind of reread the trade paperback collection of the, like, Archie Mary's Valerie kind of fantasy thing. And mm-hmm. uh, in those comics, when he starts dating Valerie, which isn't a what if, it actually happens in the kind of real, uh, you know, timeline. Um, almost immediately, Betty and Trev start hooking up too. 
And so certainly like when you see Archie and Valerie like spending a lot of time together on the show and Betty has a first date with Trev, it, it kind of like, oh, are we going to see more of this? Um, but I, I didn't put too much thought into it because... Maybe he's another um, one of those characters that... That's the thing. I didn't either because like at a certain point, you can only introduce so many characters before you're like, we got to get back to the story we're trying to tell about a town. Yeah. Unless it's unless it's something like Arrow, where it's like, let's take this supporting guest star and give him a whole episode about guns. Yeah, I can't wait until next week when uh, River goes to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Putin loves Jughead, you guys. <laughs> loves him. I feel like they might have gone to Russia when they did their world tour comic like two years ago. Oh boy. Anyway, um, that's so weird. Did I we discuss it. that? Did we discuss the whole thing about Penelope touching Archie's hair? And how freaking no, we weird that was? It's very, but, yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is what happens when you look exactly like a dead kid and you show up in dead kid cosplay at his funeral. That was such <laughs> a dumb idea. And if it's a football solidarity thing, whatever. Archie, you know you look like this kid. I don't know why you're dressing up in his costume. You already got <laughs> Like, they... He, Archie Which was good his... that he gave up the jersey number. Thank God, because that would have been well. And now, for and the... that was another weird thing, by the way. Like, apparently, that number is the captain's number. That was established in like a throwaway line. Because, like, well, now I got to give you twelve because not you gave away the captain's number. So... And so here's my thing. Ronnie Jason he was. Gave... He just gave the sophomore the captain's number, like as a like recruitment to come on the team, but then he kept that as being the captain's number. And was Archie going to have to give that up and get a new number? If, if Reggie was captain, like all of that was just very odd to me. <laughs> like, wait, it doesn't make sense that there's a captain's number. So for yeah. the, for the Halloween episode next year, is Archie going to dress up like Nightwing just to troll Jason Blossom some more? That would be mean. <laughs> Although he has a lot of DC comics in his bedroom, so he might be a fan. He also has a few Archie comics. He has at least one Nightwing comic in his bedroom, so. And did you guys recognize the stairwell at Cheryl Blossom's house from other shows? No. I'm sure we've seen it on Arrow a couple times. I'm certain it was in the Smallville episode, Thirst, with the Vampire Sorority. There was a Smallville episode about vampires? Yes. I have no recollection. And James Marsters was in the episode, and they oh, made a reference God. to Buffy the Vampire. Of course they did. <laughs> I mean, this is what happens when you shoot your show in Vancouver. You just reuse stuff over and over well, and over. at first I thought they'd used the Queen Mansion, but then I noticed the staircases were different. Oh, mm-hmm. you pay way more attention to detail. Yeah. Good for you, man. But, you know, I, I still, I mean, I liked seeing Cheryl's house. I mean, it just... It's a creepy to see that house. World. That would have been a fun set to see. I yeah. mean, we did get to see Cheryl's bedroom, which yeah. was creepy. And then yeah. apparently they're rebuilding it or something for the finale? Or was that... No, that was Veronica's rebuilding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think they were also... I think they were either tearing down or rebuilding Cheryl's, too, because I think that the one that we were looking at that was going to be Veronica's bedroom was... A, I think they told us that used to be Cheryl's. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I love the house. I but I like big gothicy, that like big creepy. Like it, and it's a big creepy mansion. Yeah, and it's got course, that like tall, slender, square thing, like a Scooby Doo house. 
Yeah. It, it's funny because a lot of the start of that episode in Cheryl's Dream was very Scooby-Doo when you think about it. And The Walking Dead. And, the, and, and Afterlife, Afterlife with, Archie. with Archie. Yeah. And Sean Especially when she pulled the mask off the rubber zombie Jason. Yes. And it was Archie. <laughs> no, it was Old Man Smithers. <laughs> Mr. Weatherby. <laughs> Principal <laughs> Weatherby, what are you doing here? I'm a zombie. Oh, boy. Deleted scene, just you wait. So I think we, um, I think we covered everything. Have we hit it all? But what do we need people to do at iTunes, Wait, Chris? first of all, like, okay. before we wrap up, does anybody, like, who's your Jason Blossom killer suspect of the week? I don't even remember who it was when I watched this episode. Because I'm thinking for I know, but I'm, I keep thinking with what we know from later. Like, based on what we saw this week, I can't help but suspect a member of the Cooper family. Yeah, but I think it's not. So, see, I went the other way based on based on what I saw this week. I like. I think this was the episode that put me onto the idea that maybe it's Penelope. The yeah, um, yeah. The, the Blossom family did a really good job at painting a target on its back. The only the only thing that really like. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing about it is that uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say this part because I, I can't remember if I thought this after five or six, after six, I'll explain a little bit more about what it is that I really think. Um, Cause the, the, the circumstances of Jason's death don't seem to match up with something his parents would do in terms of being tied up and tortured and stuff. Mm. Um, well, Alice- there's like a reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what if it's but there, Fred? there's a reason That's that like, later on my brain went that way. Yeah, what if it's Fred and this is what makes Archie into a nut? Like, this is how Archie goes dark with the rest of his friends, like, oh, my dad yeah, right. blossom. And then he's going to be sent to an insane asylum, and season two of this podcast will be called Archie's Madhouse. I'm there the- you go. I'll take it. Yeah. So yeah. So what should people do to our podcast All on right. iTunes? Listen, we're on iTunes. If you're not subscribed on iTunes, what are you doing with your lives? Same if you're on an Android thing. I don't even know you anymore. But do us a favor, rate and review this thing on iTunes. You, I, I don't want to say you should make them five star reviews, but we're pretty good. I don't. I don't, don't want to brag, but I feel I feel like I'm worthy of five stars. But and. If not, just rate and review us anyway. Just don't, unless you're going to give us like zero or one. Like, that'd be lame. Don't do that. Just forget it. So, yeah, rate and review on iTunes. Send questions to. Like at Riverdale TV or yeah. on our Facebook page, Archie Digest to Riverdale Podcast. Also, I want to hear it, those who are listening, I want to hear Jason Blossom killer theories. Yes. Like, I, absolutely. Like, we, talk to, we, we talk to each other a lot about who we think the killer is. I want to know what people who are watching the show think it is. And That's I me. actually, I, I put out a, a, a call for questions on the Facebook page and then I forgot to check it. So if, if you asked us something and we didn't answer it this week, I'm sorry. For shame. Yeah. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. I mean, it seems like the number of listeners for each episode is growing every week, which is good. Which also hopefully means there are more people interested in the show Riverdale in general, which is also very good. I'm into it because we need we need to have our season two. I mean, <sighs> I'm going to be sad if there's only six episodes left for us to see since we've seen through seven. 
oh, don't bum me out like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Rate review on iTunes. Leave us comments on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us who you think killed Jason Blossom. And where can people find you, Craig? Yeah, we can do some kind of contest. We should do a, uh, like, maybe maybe right the before, first... like, maybe the, maybe the Monday or Tuesday before the finale, we can do, like, a, a Google Live thing where people can uh, send us messages and, and, and send us theories. Here's another idea. Mm-hmm. We should have, I, I don't know what kind of prize we can give, but we should have some kind of contest asking you who you thought killed Jason and the earliest mention we can find on our page would win. With the right answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we could give him uh, Saved by the Bell seasons one through five on DVD. Oh, thanks. Well, He's I... That's just stuff. giving away Craig's stuff. <laughs> That's Saved by the Bell, the new uh, club. I, oh, I don't miss it. <laughs> I, could probably convince, uh, I could probably convince one of the, the people, not me because I have no talent, but uh, one of the people in my house who does crochet to, to make a Jughead hat. Nice, because uh, the, I'm pretty sure people have probably seen by now. But like the yeah, the CW sent us Jughead hats, and uh, yeah, my, um, thank they're, God they're pretty small one because it does not fit my giant head. Yeah, that is yeah, a problem. Uh, my my mother in law made one for me, and apparently was like eighty percent done with it when I got the official one, and so. Uh, she hadn't told me yet it was supposed to be a surprise, and apparently she was like, ah, crap. <laughs> but but we were like, no, no, it's itty-bitty, so it's all good. <laughs> but, They're like uh, jelly beans. I, I'd be willing to bet that I could convince either either my wife or her mom to to make an extra one that we could do as a prize for the, for the podcast. So uh, I, I won't promise that yet, but uh, certainly we'll come up with something with that or something comparable, comparably cool. Stay tuned. So if you if you say pop tate, post that on our page. Pop you will... did, now did you say pop tate or pop taint? <laughs> now that was worse than the fingers. Listen, he's in Beaverwood, Beaverdale, whatever it's called. <laughs> Beaverwood. <laughs> Beaverwood's a great name for something. Um, that would be an Everwood porn parody. About the Archie porn parody that we do. Beaverwood. Beaverwood. Population. Whoa. Let's get Sarah Hable as a guest. Okay. Yeah, no. All right, let's wrap this up. I was just thinking, like, if we ever did have <laughs> an actual like guest on the show, if we've made fun of their characters, would you feel weird? No. Okay. No. no. I mean, here's the thing. It's we've we've restricted all of any jokes that we've made to the characters, not to the actors. And like even when we say very nice things about the actors, like sometimes we're 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 like making sure that the, the recording is off so that we're not saying something that would be like embarrassing if we ran into them in public. Um, like is a monster. Alice Cooper but, is my uh, second favorite Alice Cooper. Do you know there was also an Alice Cooper <laughs> Mayberry RFD? Yeah, I looked that up today. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we're talking about Alice Cooper, the rocker. At work today. Yeah, there's an Alice Cooper on Mayberry RFD. She replaced Aunt B. Yep. Nice. There's your trivia for this week. Let's try to remember. I, I, if this <laughs> was a video podcast, I would run the, the more you know Chiron across the. See, I would just write Mixias Pitalik in the air. Well, oh, yeah. That. Yeah, there's that. So, um. Yeah, and since this is a Riverdale podcast, people are like, Mixias, what? <laughs> Supergirl, it's another show that's on. You should watch it sometime. Yeah. Maybe 
I I still think someday we could probably have a DC Archie crossover on TV. I hope I think not. It's, I don't it's want inevitable. It. I don't want it. Then let's have the Punisher. I, I don't. The only <laughs> thing that I would like, the only thing that I would I would really like if if it was going to happen the way I would want it to happen, would be basically like that episode of the Flash from <laughs> earlier this season, where he just vibed through like a bunch of different realities, including Supergirl. <laughs> yeah. That would be okay. I, I would be down for Carlos, like, just vibing through Riverdale for 20 seconds, and, and just, like, people are like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Being in the middle of uh, Miss Grundy's VW bug. I'll just say, I'm calling him through, he like, just, through he the He accidentally wall. vibes through, kills Jason Blossom by, totally by accident. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be terrible and awesome. <laughs> so here's my thing. Uh, how about, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the fact that, uh, there is an ongoing Riverdale comic book that's going to launch. I believe that the one shot that leads into it is next week. March 1st, I believe. Maybe. Um, yeah, I believe yeah. that March 1st is the Riverdale one shot. So that will happen before our next episode of the podcast. And um, that actually has a whole story that tells what Betty did this summer. Which is kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. And deals with... Uh, and deals apparently, because you guys have told me I still haven't seen it, um, but deals apparently with uh, the part of what happened with Archie, or with Archie and Jughead. Um, but uh, yes, Archie Comics solicitations for May came out today, so now we have three um, kind of insights into the Riverdale comic book universe, which as far as I understand is set in the world of the TV show, and so this stuff ostensibly counts. Um, the uh, I'll, I'll just I, I wanted to... like the Flash one point five and Arrow one point five, which they later negated. Like, yeah. like they would be like, oh, we're gonna have Tommy Merlin's funeral, and then like two well, years later, we're like, we're gonna tell this a different way. Well, they, well, they the oh, Flash, totally. Flash season one point five did that with King Shark. Yeah, King Shark was a big deal of those, and they're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 we're gonna do that on the show instead. So oh, I yeah. find myself wondering I how I mean, it will be. I don't think for a minute that this is canon canon but like you know it, it because it's set in the world of the show instead of just being an archie comic i figured it's worth mentioning and it's the kind of thing that people might yeah. be interested in especially because as you said a lot of people who watch this show do not buy comic books a lot of people who watch this show even if they buy comic books probably don't buy archie comics um Can- because uh, tech like the the just the the audience size for Archie books in the kind of direct market, like new shiny comics that aren't digests, um, don't support that a million and a half people are buying it. Can I recommend anybody who's listening to pick up the first trade paperback of Archie by Mark Wade and Fiona Staples? I Veronica Fish might have drawn some of that first trade. Uh, I don't think so. I think the first one is just Mark and Fiona. Okay, because, I mean, that's a good way to get into the comic book world of Archie. The, or the writing's good, the art is good. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's definitely a different, like, setup. I mean, like, Jughead's backstory is massively different in that series. But it's a good read, it's fun. Um, I also wanted to point out, I think it's the cover of the second Mark Wade Archie trade that I think Francesco Francavia did. Uh, there's a photo out there of uh, KJ and Lily that's pretty yeah. much the same pose. Yeah, I saw of... somebody tweeted that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so, um, you know, yeah. So, well, what I'll do, just because I, I 
we haven't talked about this yet. I'm going to read the three solicitations. It's like three little paragraphs, and so it won't take very long at all. And if we have any thoughts on these, we can we can talk about them. Otherwise, we can kind of use this as a way of leading out of the show. Um, but, you know, once a month when the solicitations hit, I will try to remember to read this on the podcast that night because they do uh, the solicitations hit usually on Tuesdays, which means that when we're recording, uh, they'll be brand new. They won't be by the time we air, but oh well. Uh, the Riverdale one-shot uh, says, a must-have one-shot, perfect primer for the CW's Riverdale series. Uh, learn the secrets and hidden tales from the summer before the eternal love triangle begins in this special issue, which features four short stories focusing on the major players and events of the Riverdale series. You dare not miss this special commemorative issue in advance of the upcoming Riverdale series. It's not in advance anymore. This had to be resolicited, and it was originally supposed to come out before the show started. Uh, <laughs> uh, or no, 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 I'm, I'm wrong. I'm reading this wrong. The, they meant the comic book series. Um, written by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, who did Afterlife with Archie Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. He's the showrunner here. Um, and the writers of the CW's Riverdale series with art by Aletha Martinez, who did Black Panther. Um, uh, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa is, is the, li- the lead writer on here. Brian E. Patterson, who actually commented on the second episode of our podcast. Uh, Britta London, James DeWile, DeWill, and Will Ewing are the writers uh, Aletha Martinez, Elliot Fernandez, Jim Toe, and Thomas Patilli are the artists. I assume uh, that as I'm reading the next couple, where it's an ongoing comic book series, that both the number of tales in each issue and also the number of creators involved will probably shrink. Um, you guys have seen this hope issue already. I have not. Let's also hope it comes out more often than the Afterlife with Archie series comes out. Yeah, is- I mean, so far Man. it's solicited to come out... Um, March, April, and May. I, I'm not 100% sure that will actually happen because... I think I got uh, a notification that issue one was late. Or canceled. Well, issue one, issue one of the... Uh, somebody said that, but I don't... It must have just been delayed by a week or something because okay. Comicsology still has it in April, and also the solicitations for May came out, and number two was in the solicitations. So, like, if number one wasn't coming out in April, it wouldn't make sense to solicit number two for May because you're just building up more and more of a problem. Unless it's Todd McFarlane numbering. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's interesting here is that I'm looking at the preview pages on Comicosity uh, from this one shot, which again, you guys have seen, I haven't yet. Um, and in these preview pages, uh, there is a, uh, you get a shot of what looks like the pre uh, pre Riverdale um, Ver- Veronica's bedroom. Yes, and I mean, you, Hiram. Yeah, and you see Hiram. That's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. Which is an interesting creative choice for them to make, considering that uh, they have not cast that actor yet, as far as we know. Yeah. And uh, uh, we also, also in one of these variant covers, Archie looks like a redheaded Luke Perry. Ah, that's uh, that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the only thing, like reading the one shot, which uh, you know we got at the press tour. Um, it was a bit strange that there's some foul language in it, but you oh, don't. Oh yeah, that's right. You mentioned that. Like I can't remember what exactly it was, I but I was just like, "Whoa!" They Archie just was like, Archie. "Motherfuck this shit, dog!" And then he ran away hmm. with Miss Grundy. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah, you know. So, and you do get to see a little bit more of the backstory of uh, Archie and Grundy too. Um. So in April, Archie, quote unquote, got got hot. Yeah. 
Um, so April 5th is when, at least according to what I have in front of me, April 5th is when the, uh, the Riverdale number one, like the number one issue of the ongoing comic book series is coming out. Okay. How did they closer um, to the premiere? I don't understand. I, I, they have some scheduling problems, especially where Roberto's involved because the TV show has taken up a lot of his time yeah. Yeah. and he doesn't want to let things go. He wants to still handle things himself. Um, for instance, the Riverdale ongoing comic book series is credited to uh, written, be written by Roberto and various um, <laughs> with art by Joe Isma, who at the time, at this moment, Joe Isma is the artist on Archie, like the main Archie comic book. Um, next month or yeah, next month, I think is his last issue. So that in April, when Riverdale number one comes out, the artist will be on Archie will be Pete Woods. And apparently uh, Joe Isma is moving over to Riverdale, which is actually a really kind of a good fit because Isma has a, a much more photorealistic style than anybody else who has been working on the Archie comics recently. So he can draw likenesses better than most of the people who are on staff there. Cool. Doesn't the solicitation really doesn't tell you anything about the book? It's a, it's more of the same. It's you know from Roberto Garcia and the writers of the Riverdale series comes the first issue of the must read brand new ongoing comic series set in the universe of the TV series. The Riverdale comic offers a bold subversive take on Archie, Betty, Veronica, Josie, and the Pussycats and their friends exploring small town life and the darkness bubbling beneath Ho- Riverdale's wholesome facade. That one, like I said, is coming out the fifth, and then uh, the Road to Riverdale trade paperback that came out last month. Apparently, there's a volume two. Um, the Road to Riverdale stuff is kind of weird because it's um, it's like the comics that inspired the TV show. It's not set in the world of the TV show. It's meant to be kind of a primer for the Archie universe. The I didn't get the new Riverdale. Pardon? Is it classic stuff or is it new Riverdale? It's all new Riverdale, as far as I know. I would certainly love- certainly the volume two that I'm looking at right now is all new Riverdale stuff. Because um, I would love a trade paperback with like all of the first appearances, including like Cheryl and Jason Blossom from the eighties. Yeah, I mean that's certainly. I'm I'm sure it's coming. I mean, especially if the show gets a second season, <clears throat> they'll run out of content. Uh, right now, what they're doing with this volume two appears to be because I think the first road to Riverdale was all Archie, Jughead, and then like. Some of the maybe it was some of the Kevin Keller stuff from pre reboot or something. I, I don't remember exactly. I didn't get a chance to pick it up yet because my local shop doesn't have it. But the Road to Riverdale Volume 2 trade paperback that's coming out on April 26th says Wade, Zdarsky, Adam Hughes, Marguerite Bennett, Cameron Diordio, and Tom DeFalco, which means that they are bringing like it's an issue of Archie, an issue of Jughead, an issue of Betty and Veronica, an issue of the new Josie and the Pussycats, and then an issue of Reggie and me. Um, Which apparently is only a miniseries I just read. Yeah, apparently, I think that it was, I can't remember if it was announced as a miniseries or if it was announced as ongoing and then became a mini, but it was definitely a mini by the time the first issue actually came out. I'm liking that series. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I don't think that Tom DeFalco is quite the splashy name that a lot of the people that, because I mean, when you think about like the folks who they're working with right now, like Marguerite Bennett and Fiona Staples and Mark Wade, these are all people who bring in like a lot of eyeballs in the the kind of weird rarefied world of comics and especially like more arty comic book fans who aren't into superheroes. Things with Tom DeFalco is he worked at Archie before he was even at Marvel as the editor in chief. uh, Yeah. I think that Tom DeFalco was kind of, uh, they were, they probably were just kind of looking at like who can definitely do this right. 
and Tom's name came up and, and I imagine that they probably are hedging their bets by making it a mini series. And if it does really well, then we'll probably see something ongoing. I mean, again, that's all kind of inside baseball, but that's kind of how yeah. comics works is that by and large, unless you're a huge star or unless the character is an A-list superhero, um, everything starts as a one shot or a mini series. And then people kind of hedge their bets. Yeah. Unless you're rocket raccoon and you get rebooted every four months. Exactly. Well, that's pretty much your actor. Um, oh man. (laughs) And here, here is the, here is the thing that I actually kind of love April 5th or April 3rd, uh, sees Riverdale number two come out. Um, Riverdale number two by Roberto Gersicasa and various art by Joe Isma, Andre, uh, Samankowicz, uh, Janice Chang and John Workman. That sounds to me like just Joe Isma art, and then they're crediting the inker, colorist, and letterer because John Workman is a legendary comic book editor. Andre, I believe, inks Joe Isma all the time. Um, so probably it's not multiple stories. Probably it's one story, and this is the whole art team instead of just saying the, the writer and the penciler. Um, but here is uh, – this is going to be my favorite issue of the Riverdale comic book. Um, when five students from different social cliques, Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, and Josie, end up in Saturday detention together, will they, will they kill each other or come together against the forces of evil that brought them there? Will back? Archie's mother be there? They are totally doing the Archie Breakfast Club. I love it. But if Archie's mother's not there, it makes me sad. That, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> Archie Breakfast Club is an episode they could do. Absolutely. And well, Dawson's Creek did it. I know, yeah. What if... And didn't it end with Pacey Witter masturbating in the bathroom? Oh, that's why he went to detention. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Weird show. What if... What if Mary Andrews ran off with Chad Nelson? <laughs> Love it. I'm up what for that. <laughs> That'd be weird. Uh, it's a little weird to me that... It, we haven't seen any interior art, or at least I haven't seen any interior art featuring Jughead yet. It's a little weird to me that on all the covers of the Riverdale comic book, in spite of the fact that it's set in the world of the comics, um, Jughead is always wearing a hat that looks more like it does in the comics than on the TV show. Yeah. Uh, I think the Frank Avila one looked okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but still. Um, again, we'll see. I, I have, again, I haven't seen any interior art. I don't know how it's going to be depicted in story. And but comic in the book covers. Cat, they don't look like they're TV people at all. Like on the interiors. Like, Archie does not look like KJ. Jughead doesn't look like Cole. Yeah. Uh, I think part... I mean, I imagine part of that is likeness rights. I don't know, like... I just... I was working on a thing not too long ago where likeness rights were an issue. And that is super a thing that people are conscious of. And I can't imagine a scenario where you do a TV show based on a comic book and they don't think to, like, lock up the rights to use your likeness for comic books. But I guess anything's possible. Yeah. Time will tell. Or maybe they started working on the comics before everyone was cast. That's also another thing. Yeah, especially with Joe Eisma. I mean, uh, again, he's he's been doing great, solid work on Archie, and it's always been on time. But my understanding when he was on Morning Glories was that he is not a fast artist. So possibly the reason that he's been on time for the last four months is because, like, he had a year window or something. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, well, I wanted to make sure we mentioned the comics. I was super excited about the Archie Breakfast Club. Um, But uh, is there anything else we want to say before we just give our, like, Twitter information and then sign off? Didn't we already give our Twitter? No. No. I've got, I've honestly, I've got got nothing else. I love the episode. 
I love Cheryl Blossom so much. Yeah. I love this episode, but I love episode six more. Yes, although when we first, before we went to Vancouver, we hadn't seen six and seven yet. We They just sent us five. And uh, I remember watching five and being like, damn, that's a good episode. And then like you watch six and seven and you're like, man, this show gets better every goddamn week. Well, I, you can't watch episode five and not want to praise Madeleine for oh, yeah, absolutely. the job she does throughout. Every like, week. That, that, that is, yes, but episode five is her spotlight. And she she earns every single inch of it. Yeah, and I'm so glad that next week we get Josie back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause... yeah, and I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say next week is Josie's spotlight because there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Yeah, um, but as we've seen from the photos that CW has released next week, we get long tails and ears for hats. Um, yeah. and and that is a like that is a a solid solid Josie episode. What about guitars and sharps and flats? That that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, so I'm at KSite TV on Twitter, also at Riverdale Riverdale TV, which is where I post all my Riverdale posts or retweet them, and I ask you guys what you want to hear on the RT Digest. Um, Chris, you can find me writing at ScreenerTV.com. I'm on Twitter at Chris Hayner, C H R I S H A Y N A R. I'm usually angry about something. Uh, also on Instagram, same thing. Also on Instagram, at Waterworld Photos for photos of the Waterworld Stunt Spectacular at Universal Studios Hollywood, which is currently closed. Sad. I'm still posting photos, though, because I got shit in You haven't posted any medium Grinch, though. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> and I was, I, I posted a comment on the, on the water, or the, the, on the Waterworld Photos uh, account the other day, encouraging you to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I haven't looked. I'll look, though. And where are and you? It was right? literally because you, you were saying somebody was complaining about you talking about it all the time on the podcast, so I decided I'd be supportive. Everybody, um, everybody complains about me talking about Waterworld. People need to come to the understanding that, like, listen, man, I like what I like. That's just what it is. If you don't like it, you can go screw. <laughs> And I'm Ross Burlingame. You can you can find me at comicbook.com all the time. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my last name's hard to spell, man. Just follow ecv underscore podcast.com. That's the Emerald City Video Podcast. That's my other show. And uh, nobody listens to it, so you should totally listen to it and be that guy who's ahead of the curve. Meanwhile, almost everything that I tweet at Russ Berlin Game also gets tweeted out from ecv, and, and that way you don't have to spell my name. Can I just throw a quick podcast recommendation? Yeah, of course. Found it today. It's called Missing Richard Simmons. Uh, a documentary filmmaker has taken on the task of figuring out why Richard Simmons disappeared from public eye three years ago. So it's kind of like the serial of Richard. Simmons. It's like it's like Richard Simmons serial. There's only one episode so far, and already it's one of the most fascinating things I've ever listened to. Because Richard Simmons taught a weekly exercise class in L.A. for forty years, and then. One day in 2014, he didn't show up, and he hasn't been in CM Public since. And he's done one audio interview to say that he's okay, and but nothing else. And so this guy's trying to get to the bottom of it, and it's fascinating. I think Alice Cooper has something to do with this. I hope not. She's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks for listening, everyone, and 
We'll see you or you'll be hearing us next week, I hope. Subscribe, leave comments. Rate and review on iTunes. Yes, rate and review. Find us on Facebook, hit us with your Jason Blossom killer theories, and we'll talk to you next week.